Well, hello and happy Monday to you all. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving weekend if you celebrated Thanksgiving here in the States. It is I, Sean, along with my co-host Ashley, as we've been away for two weeks. We're going to try to catch you up on the last two weeks of professional wrestling around the world. And Ashley, it's been a crazy 24 hours, hasn't it? Nothing really happened really, right? <laughs> uh, I think uh, hell froze over the sweet Jason. <laughs> I think you're right, because something happened in Chicago about, oh, 48 hours ago that may be the biggest story in 2023 going into 2024. Possibly. Possibly. But let's go ahead. We're going to go to a segment we call Rewind as we catch you up on AEW Full Gear, WWE Survivor Series. It's Radio Free Pro Wrestling's Flashback. The guys catch you up on what you may have missed in the past week of wrestling action. Ashley, I want to go back to AEW Full Gear because we were away that week. Let's start with the first match on the Zero Hour. It's Samoa Joe, MJF, for the ROH Tag Team titles. We're going against our beloved Gun Brothers. What do you think about this match? I thought it was pretty good. Um, In ring, pretty good. We had a lot of shenanigans going on. Um, and a lot of uh, a lot of stuff after the match that played into the outcome of the ending of Full Gear. Exactly. The ending we saw, Samoa Joe kind of back away from helping MGF because, hey, he got through the match. That's all he promised was like, hey, I'll have you up for one match. I want my title shot. And after that match is done, the Gun Brothers and Juice Robinson beat the living tar out of MGF. And we weren't sure if MJF could make the main event. And it kind of teased Adam Cole kind of come in to fill in for MJF. And I'm going like, he just got off double ankle surgery. I'm like, that's not going to happen, right? Certainly seemed like it was going to happen for a minute, though, didn't it? Yeah. I mean, we're going to get to that at a little bit later here in the Full Gear review. But let's go on to the first match I can remember on the main card. Let's go to the International Championship. Orange, Orange Cassidy was coming in to defend against John Moxley. And actually, I was happy that Orange Cassidy got a victory over John Moxley. I was hoping they wouldn't hot, hot potato this title back. How was this match? I enjoyed this match. Um, a lot. Of, I feel like there was a lot of like in-ring storytelling with like Orange Cassidy having to kind of overcome this like white whale of John Moxley who he's never beaten. Um, <laughs> John Moxley ate about six Superman punches. Um, and a beach break before going down. Um, but I think John Moxley and Orange Cassidy's chemistry has been pretty great, honestly. It's, it's been interesting. This later part of 2023, I feel like Orange Cassidy has gone to another level. He's no longer that kind of mid-car funny ha-ha character. He's a more serious Orange Cassidy. And the fact that he's staying toe-to-toe with John Moxley, he's getting pushed into that upper big card to blow main event player yeah for sure he's definitely had to step up his game to to go toe-to-toe like let alone in any capacity with moxley you know who we all i think everyone may consider the ace of aew true i feel like john moxley is the mvp for aew in 2023 on a lot of fronts i feel like he he's kind of been the mvp maybe maybe a few years here with aew already so let's go on to the aew tag team title ladder match we had LFI versus the Kings of the Black Throne versus Big Bill and Ricky Starks and FTR. Going into this match, Ashley, did you feel like there's any way that 
Ricky Stars and Big Bill could come out of this match with the titles. Honestly, I kind of thought FTR was going to take them back. I was happy to see them hang on to them, though. Um, especially the last like past few shows now with Big Bill kind of like cutting some really great promos and kind of getting to see more of his personality and stuff on the mic and stuff. I thought this was a really... I feel like these matches can be clusters at times uh, with the, the tag teams all over in the ladder match. I felt like this one flowed pretty well, and I thought it was a pretty chaotic good match. <laughs> well, you know, I was happy that Big Bill and Ricky Stars got these titles and kept them through this ladder match. It would have been easy for AEW to decide, oh, we could put them back onto FTR. Oh, we could put them to the House of Black, which would have been another option I would have done. But like you said, as we see this unlikely tattoo of Big Bill and Ricky Starks over the last few weeks, they're kind of growing on everybody. I feel like they're going to be basically a baby face tattoo. I know they're a heel right now, but they're so freaking good. I feel like they're going to swap around here in 2024. I think they they may have to with the promos and stuff and the personality they like, especially that we know Ricky Starks has, you know, got charisma for days and he's already over the top. So now he's got this like big muscle behind him who's who's just equally as charismatic. And it's like funny to kind of watch them learn about each other just as much because they didn't know about each other before teaming up. So Ricky Starks just found out that Bill was engaged to Lexi Nair like two weeks ago on camera. <laughs> so yeah, if you haven't seen AEW Collision from this past weekend, go back and watch the promo that Ricky Starks and Big Bill do. It was so good, especially the Big Bill part. I mean, like he's becoming a baby face. Yeah, truly, he's he's winning people over with his like in ring skills and his charisma. So it's gonna be tough to keep him healed for much longer. Okay, so we're moving on to the AEW Women's World title match. It's Timeless Tony Storm versus Sheeta. This is in LA, and I got a feeling going into this match, it was un- undeniable that Timeless Tony Storm was going to win this title from Sheeta. Yeah, I kind of, I honestly thought they m- might do an angle where they, they kept it off her, but I think Mariah, the Mariah May thing, and Mariah May coming in May play a part in Tony Storm winning the title as well. Um, there's some nanigans at the end of the match, but I love Tony Storm and this character has been phenomenal and she has earned it, but also she'd earned it just as much. And it really, truly sucks to not hear get what feels like a real title run again. I know she's already been a three time champion and I feel like all her three runs have been really short. And I mean, there's been one or two good matches, but she hasn't had a really strong run with that title. Yeah. Uh, it feels like she only gets like maybe three or four matches and they, you know, and it, it kind of gets really downplayed when she's the champion. And I want, I want, it, if they're going to do this, I want Sheeta to stay at least in the picture. And, and I love this rivalry. Like Sheeta, Sheeta sent Tony Storm over the edge. Like make this like Tony Storm's main rivalry. Exactly. I agree with you on that. So let's go to the other women's title match. It's a TBS championship. It was a fatal three way. We had Julia Hart versus Sky Blue versus the champion Chris Statlander, and I was happy they pulled the trigger, and now we have Julia Hart as your TBS champion. Absolutely. I think the right call, Julia Hart has been, I mean, just improving in leaps and bounds over the past few months, being with the House of Black. she She's almost almost the forefront as much as Malachi, um, if, if not more, especially now being a champion. Uh, she looks great. Great. Every time she goes out there, she's 
got the crowd singing along with her. She's won everybody over, and she's already had a good match and a good first defense. Exactly. Exactly. If you haven't seen Collision from this past Saturday, go back, watch Julia Hart versus Lady Frost. It may be one of my top five matches of the week. Happy to see Lady Frost get some TV time. Me too, because I feel like it's been a long time since we've seen her on her screen, and she's so freaking good for this being in the business for a short time. She is supremely athletic. Uh, Let's go to the match that a lot of people have been talking about. You either love this match, or you kind of hate a certain part of this match. And I'm talking about the Texas death match between Sarah Strickland and Hangman and the page. So, Ashley, give us your thoughts about it. I know not everybody's going to agree, but I loved it. (laughs) This was insane on every level. And it's been one of the most personal and, like, just intense rivalries AEW has had across television. And to watch it culminate in this just wild, wild match was absolutely insane. Did they go too far? Subjective. I, I was fine. I'm I'm fine with it. You know, it took me a minute because I have seen this match since it's been on full gear. And originally when I heard what happened, I was kind of grossed out about it. But the, watching the match, I'm like, Storyline lines, I can see why this has gone to this level. My only beef with this match was I felt like maybe Hangman Adipage should have won this match because I feel like the baby face of this storyline has been not getting a lot of wins. So at least give one good win to Hangman Adipage and in especially a Texas death match would have been my choice. I could see the call for that. It's I honestly, I think, uh, I kind of ironically, I think the biggest... Uh, spot in the match I wasn't the biggest fan of was Brian Cage's interference. I felt like interference in the match costing Hangman the match would have been fine if it was Prince Nana, who's been like more involved, who also kind of got involved in and in, in, you know took a took a dead eye through the table. Um, but I didn't think that spot was as necessary, and I think it would have shortened the match by like maybe three or four minutes, which I think a lot of people also had like complaints about, like as far as like the violence was that it was like the longest match on the card. Um, and I think you could have saved yourself a couple of minutes not having Brian Cade run out and make that spot. But I'm I'm okay with Swerve winning because I, I, they're going to push Swerve to the moon. They have to. There's no denying what this dude has done and is doing right now and how he's connecting with the fans and getting himself over. And he's going to be in this title picture very shortly. Well, here's my bold prediction for 2024. Travis Footman will leave the year 2024 as your AEW world champion. I don't doubt it. Okay, so let's go to a six-man match. It's Adam Cutland, Sting, Darby Allen versus Lucasaurus, Christian Cage, and now the prodigy, Nick Wayne. How do you feel about this six-man tag match? Because I heard it was either okay or a lot of people were right. It should have been on the card. I could I could see the case for it of, maybe being on like a, you know, on a dynamite or a collision, but I still think it's a fun match. And, you know, they're trying to get Sting out there at least for as many times as they can now before he goes. So I thought it was a fun trios match. It was a random kind of like some random teams get out there, but to see Edge and and Darby and and think about dress like was awesome. They look great. Yeah, they did look great. I love the fact that Edge had a chance to do the face paint with Darby Allen and Sting. And leading from that, we've seen Edge, I mean, Adam Copeland, deepening his feud with Christian Cage. And the fact that Christian Cage went ahead and re his henchmen 
Lucasaurus is no more. He is Killswitch. And like I said, Nick Wayne is now the prodigy Nick Wayne. Yeah, and a- and Adam Copeland cutting that promo challenging challenging Christian Cage for the TNT title coming up in Canada. Intense, and I I love this storyline, honestly. Well, I gotta say, I'm gonna be kind of jealous of the people in Montreal that get to see this match on a Dynamite come up here in December. So let's go to the future AEW World title sh- tag team title shot is Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega versus the Young Bucks. How do you feel about this match, Ashley? A strange match. Um, I'm not... It feels weird to have Kota Ibushi in, in AEW and we're focusing on Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho so much. Um, I don't know. I feel like this... Like I feel like everything going on with the Bucks right now is storyline-wise, so I just feel like a major heel turn coming for them. Um... It's a good match. I mean, it's it's you know they're they're four in ring great competitors. It just feels a little weird as far as storyline wise. I feel like we're gonna get some answers coming up in the next week. So I'm hoping we'll uh, sort out what's going on with the Buck and Kenny and, and their relationship and where Jericho is gonna continue to fit in. True. As we go into 2024, I feel like the Young Bucks are gonna come back from their hiatus as a heel super heel tag team and. I know we've been down the storyline with them feuding with the other members of the elite. I just want one year to have all the elite on one side of the coin. Either all of them will be faces or all of them being heels and they're the big, bad heel group of AEW. Yeah, it felt like this like second set like of very quick infighting didn't need to happen. Like We haven't even gotten to see them really be on the same page aside from blood and gut. And... Why the Bucks haven't helped either one of these guys in either one of these feuds where they're getting attacked five on one all the time and then complaining about the elite not being together is like, it just seems like, I mean, is that, is that the storyline or are the Bucks just going to be like aloof and stupid and pretending they don't get what what's going on, you know? That's a possibility. Maybe they're going to separate themselves from the elite and have a solo young buck run that's going to be like them going out for themselves and not really caring about the group i will say i feel like the young bucks are at their best in a in a heel persona so maybe it is for the best yeah. to have a heel i totally agree about that they are way better as heels okay so last match here it's the AEW world title match and by some miracle mjf finds an ambulance drives back to the building to face jay white and now if you're a jay white supporter you're like going this was the worst possible way for Jay White to lose here because basically he lost to a one-legged man in a butt kicking contest. Yeah, a lot of controversy, like a lot of uh, speculation kind of coming out about like how Jay White appears after this match. I understand completely because it, it does seem a little uh, a little cheap to have him lose to, to MJF who was, you know, rushed out of there like so quickly. I feel like... They tried to kind of cover it up with a lot of shenanigans at the end, like Adam Cole sort of throwing the belt in the ring and then the, the dynamite doesn't ring coming in into play um, to try to kind of like cover up why why Max would win over over Jay. I I really hope um, I feel like we can help Jay if we use this to kind of turn him a little more sinister and we see a little more of the sinister, sinister side of the switchblade. We talked a couple of weeks ago, we knew about these like sinister undertones he has while being like still a little bit of a goofy heel. Like let's drop that goofy heel and let's bring out sinister Jay White after this. And I feel like we could we could kind of like kind of you know fix this situation. Well, I feel like they're already already in the process of rehabbing Jay White standing in the company. 
as he's in this continental title tournament. And he's already beat Roosh, so he already has one good solid win there. And honestly, I feel like he needs to work his way to at least the semifinals. That way, you can launch him into 2024 and still be in that upper mid-card to main event level. And you can always put him in a match with whoever the AEW World Champion is in 2024 and still draw money. Absolutely. And I want, I want, I am so excited for this match he has coming up this week with Swerve Strickland. I feel like that's going to have the potential to be the match of the week next week. And I feel like, uh, I would love that's a, that's a feud I would love the, the Bullet Club Gold in the, in the Mogul Embassy. True. It, this tournament is crazy. We'll be talking about it later in the show. Now we're going to go over to WWE Survivor Series, which happened about 48 hours ago. The show kicked off with the Women's Survivor Series match. So you have the face team that was Charlotte Flair, Bianca Belair, Sachi, Becky Lynch versus Damage Control. So you had Bailey, Kari Singh, EO, and Asuka. This was the better of the two working matches, and I was happy this was the first one. Bailey eats the pin in the match after getting nailed by all the babyface's finishers. But the story of the match is Bailey spelling out all her teammates as they're getting pinned by a babyface. And I was thinking, this is going to be where Damage Control kicks Belly out of the group. But to me, that may be a couple of weeks away. This is Belly showing the group that she's willing to work with Asuka and Kari. Even though you know their past for her and Kari and her and Asuka have some issues. It was a great match. If you need to watch something on Survivor Series, watch this match and watch the next match. Because I'm going to tell you right now, Walter versus The Miz was the match of the night. Yes, I'm not saying anything. I'm not crazy. I'm not. I didn't have a couple of drinks before I did this podcast. Walter led Miz to a great match. Miz channeled his best 2011 Miz to have a excellent intercontinental title match and a losing effort as Walter made him tap out to a Boston Crab. I'm going to check that one out, I think, because I saw a lot of great reviews coming out about that one. Okay, so we're on to the third match. Now, this third match is one I can tell you right now. I feel like on paper, it would be a great match. We're talking Dragon Lee versus Santos Escobar. On paper, good match. And execution here, I feel like they got some time cut for them. Maybe because they needed some time at the end of the show for something. We'll get to that point. But this match kind of didn't get into a second gear. And Escobar beat Dragon Lee clean. Your heel beat the babyface clean in the middle of the ring using his Phantom Driver. Well, if they're, if they're trying to do a push for him, maybe it's the way to go. So maybe maybe kind of have like a, you know, something a little more substantial with them. True. I feel like they're trying to get Escobar heated up as the heel as he just left the LWO and turn on Rey Mysterio. I feel like they want to push him a little bit more. But to me, Dragon Lee staying there, you're looking like your next Rey Mysterio super babyface star that I feel like you could print money with. I'm like, have somebody come down to help Escobar. Give Dragon League a crutch to say, yeah, I lost, but this is why I lost. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, so the fourth match of the evening was Real Ripley versus Zoe Starts for the Raw Women's title. This was a match that really honestly should have been on a Monday Night Raw. It was nothing to write home about. There was one really scary spot one really scary spot when real life is on the turnbuckle with Zoe and I feel like they're doing a one arm 
Spanish fly and it didn't go well. The landing was kind of ugly. I was happy both ladies were able to walk away with it. They were able to finish the match. Ripley hit the riptide, kept the title, so perfectly fine there as Rhea Ripley is running rough shop for the Raw Women's roster right now. And we're on to the main event. It's the men's war game match. And the story of this match is, is Ray Orton going to show up for the babyface team? Because they start out 4v5 as Randy Orton doesn't go join them in the cage. Now, if you want to watch this War Games match, I would say go to the end. I would go to the last 15 minutes of this War Games match when Randy Orton comes out. And it's a buff, ready to go Randy Orton. You can tell that he's loving to be back. And he did a babyface Randy Orton match. And it was all the highlights, all the good spots that Randy Orton does. Perfectly fine. You get one heck of an RKL out of nowhere. And poor J.D. Dunn ate it. But Cody Rhodes got the pin on Damian Priest to end this match. Randy Orton looks great. Yeah, I know. I know he's. I know his daughter said that he shouldn't come back to wrestling. I'm hoping Randy's coming back for one last run. He gets to go out on his own terms. And I'm, I would be perfectly happy. Yeah, no, definitely. He's more than earned up. Okay, nothing else happened. Made him back. We're done with the Survivor Series, right? That's what I thought. Nope. Because you hear Colt of Personality play and CM Punk walk back into a WWE building on a WWE pay-per-view in the year of your Lord, 2023. Basically 11 years since he'd been there. Last time he was in the WWE was 2014. And the internet kind of melted down. (laughs) I mean, it makes sense, you know. Uh, It felt like uh, hell froze over. You know, but that's what they say, never say never here in, in, in any sort of wrestling capacity. Well, honestly, I was recording a podcast for the Sunday Night Main Event. Our good friends over there. I was talking to Brad and Greg, Father Fathom. We were doing the post show for them. And me and Brad got onto the Zoom link. We got talking. And we were wondering why Greg didn't get join us as soon as he could. It was the fact that Greg was the only one of the three of us who saw CM Punk to be live. And he was the one that had to tell us about CM Punk being back in the WWE. And if you want to go listen to the Smack Daddy's Survivor Series wrap-up show on the Sunday Night Main Event Network. And you can see our real-time reaction of me and Brad going like, Wait a minute, you were talking about CM Punk being back for the company? I literally had to jump on Twitter to make sure that was true. And it is. And it is. <laughs> so that is your Survivor Series 2023 wrap-up. It's really a two-show match with a, a date, kind of crazy return. And I kind of felt sorry for Randy Orton because Randy Orton had an amazing return. And I feel like he's now second tier to the return of CM Punk. Well, I feel like he probably knew that, you know, or at least oh, yeah, he be, knew. You know, like, so... You know, I, I think he may be happy for his friend to be back. I don't think they have any, like, uh, uh, hard feelings. And, I mean, like, his buddy Travis is in power over there anyway. So, I mean, like, I, if there's anybody that knew that CM Punk was there and was going to debut that night, you know Travis probably told Randy Orton. Yeah, yeah, especially. True. Ashley, it's that time. We're going to the stunning six questions as we debate six of the hottest topics in professional wrestling from the last week in professional wrestling. Time to ring the bell as Sean and Ashley debate six stunning questions from the week of wrestling. All the whys and what the hell was that? 
and my first stunning question for you. How do you feel about Eddie Kingston putting up both his ROH World Heavyweight Championship and his New Japan Strong Openweight Championship as titles to go into this trifecta for whoever wins the Continental Tournament? I feel like it. Uh, I feel like it can make it a big deal. Um, you got you got the the ROH World Title on the line here. So and Claudio Castagnoli, the former champion, in here. Um, and also another interesting thing to me is having the New Japan Open Weight Strong Championship in here with Jay White in the tournament. You know, when I first heard of this happening, I was trying to figure out, are they going to merge the belts into one belt? Or are you going to have one wrestler have all three of these titles? And depending on where he's at and which promotion he's at, he's going to have that title. If, they, if they're going to have to carry around all three, it's going to be a mighty heavy uh, bag to carry around every week. Yes, true. And I... I'm hoping they kind of keep the titles separate, and it's just the fact that one guy is actually the champion of all three. And it's going to be interesting what you do with this continental title they're talking about. Is it a title that has to be defended every so often, or is it a title that you just get for winning this tournament? Right. Is it something more akin to, like, the Owen Hart belt that you get for, as, like, a prize? True. That's why I got it. See, honestly, when they first announced this tournament, that's the way I was thinking about it. It could be. I'm hoping maybe that's more of a thing because I've I don't feel like they're gonna keep those you know those two belts together as like a a unit for forever you know like you can't keep the the New Japan Championship I think with that belt forever. No, I don't think you can. And do you honestly want to leave Real Honor without a true Real Honor World Championship on your Real Honor programming? True. I will say one thing that I am a little surprised by is to have like that New Japan belt, but I feel like we don't really have much in the way of like new japan competitors to kind of like represent yes this is a purely aew version of the g1 it's like oh daniel Bryan want to do a g1 tournament oh wait a minute daniel Bryan, i'll take care of this we'll have a tournament in december and you're one of the 12 people have fun i don't want to feel like i like i'm complaining because i feel like there's a lot of great names and i am very happy with like the roster they did cultivate for this but I, I would have liked to at least see like one or two like New Japan people just to like represent for the New Japan, you know, like, you know, like strong style. You know, like maybe the Stone Pitbull, you could have done the Ace, you know, that level in this tournament. It would have been fine. Even Chuck Connors. I feel like Chuck Connors came in and, and got over very well with the AEW crowd the, the few times he's been over. He would have been a good choice, I think, to throw in there with some of these names. True. Or El Fantasma, maybe. Oh, yes. I would love to see him come back to AEW. Okay, so we're going to go to our second stunning question. And Ashley, since you're our resident AEW expert, who do you have coming out of the gold and who do you have coming out of the blue bracket? This is tough. I mean, Eddie Kingston already took a loss in this tournament. Um, I don't know if this is going to be the push for somebody like Brody King. That wouldn't. I wouldn't hate that. <laughs> I would love... I would love to see. I would love to see somebody like a breakout like Daniel Garcia win. I know, but he's already took one loss in this tournament. He has still time though. Okay, so right now, as we're recording on November the twenty sixth, twenty twenty three, your gold lead standings: John Mosley has three points, Swerve Sutton has three points, Switchway Jay White has three points, Mark Bristow has zero points, Jay Lethal has zero points, Roos has zero points. Right there, your goal league. That is a stack freaking group of six people. Yeah, and I am I am very excited for 
Ruchvert and Mark Briscoe this week. Both guys have zero points in this tournament right now, so one of these guys who it's going to suck to see go 0-2. I really do feel like that is a do-or-die match. Now, we look over at the Blue League. It's Claudio Casanelli, Broly King, Brian Danielson, Andrade El Igolo, Daniel Garcia, and Eddie Kingston. There's no weak member in this 12-person tournament. No, that's why I said like I can't complain about the names that are in it. It just would have been nice to see some New Japan representation. But, I mean, these are some of the best wrestlers AEW has to offer in this tournament. And this is what I was... Everybody was kind of worried about the names in this tournament and kind of rightfully so with the history that AEW has with them. But I feel like this is pretty good. And I feel like it is kind of like who's going to like, I, I don't know. Is Mox going to win the, the Ring of Honor world title? Okay. I know there's a lot of questions because you got to figure it out. OK, I'll give you my two picks and I'll let you have some time to think about this. I'm going to take the American Dragon, Brian Dallison, out of that blue group. That's my first pick. He cut a amazing promo talking about how he wants to be the Ring of Honor World Champion once again. And this is his pathway to getting that Ring of Honor World title. And if I could have me one heck of a final, I'm going to take Sir Strickland out of the gold group. And we're going to have Sir Strickland versus the American Dragon. Honestly, I would love that. That match they had a few weeks ago was fantastic. And to watch them have a, a match with a world championship up for grabs. They would, I know they would both kick it to the next level, and, and that would be a, an amazing rematch. Okay, so now time to put you on the spot. What's your final? All right, all right. Now you got me see. I want Brian Danielson, so I'm taking Brian Danielson. On the other side, Brian Danielson is... Uh, all right, so we got Swerve Strickland. Your choices are Mutsley, Strickland, White, Burso, Lethal, and Rush. Honestly, I would love it to be Mox. I think that could be really intense for the championship. And there's so many stories you can tell here because it's the Blackpool Combat Club. Do they fall apart after two of their main people have this final match and one of them has to win, one has to lose? Right, and and it's been a while since we've seen it. I think it's a, a good time to have like a rematch. Um, I, 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 I think I would do it and maybe have Danielson come out on top and take those belts to Japan versus Okada. You know, it'd be kind of cool to see the American Dragon walk out to Wrestle Kingdom holding all three titles, just going down to the ring and looking at Okada like, where's your title? <laughs> yeah, even after all the injuries and all the stuff in every single match, he still comes out a, like a, a triple world champion. So I'm going to stunning question number three, and it's going to be, did Tony Khan drop the ball with CM Punk in the termination here? Should he try to get a longer non-compete here because it's literally two months or just a little bit over two months from his firing from AEW talking about CM Punk. What do you think, Ashley? Um, I I personally don't think so. I am a firm believer in if they don't want to be there for whatever reason, let them go. Um, I feel like there's no reason you can't come to any sort of disillusion of a contract to get somebody who is unhappy in a situation that makes them better off. Um, clearly CM Punk wasn't happy in AEW anymore and whatever happened happened and they were wanted to just cut ties CM Punk's now you know off doing his thing and he's better off and now AEW feels like you know they're trying to trying to get their wheels going back again so see I'm following on your side of this argument because I can see some people going like 
you know, you could just keep him on the payroll and tell him to stay home. We pay your contract out to whenever it was up. You're still out of our hair. But I really feel like Tony Khan needed to set the example here. Like, this is the line. If you cross this line, you're going to go. I need to put my foot down. I've been too much of a buddy-buddy instead of being a, a true boss to the people in AEW on the professional wrestling talent side. And I feel like he had no other choice but to terminate CM Punk with cause. And doing that probably triggered a shorter, non-complete cause. Right. I, I'm I'm very against those kinds of things to begin with in, in any sort of situation. I don't understand preventing somebody from working after letting them go regardless of if they're getting paid or not um that's not usually the point these, these guys don't you know work at the the level they work at and, and become the athlete they become to, to sit in the back well i also agree with you that i feel like both people are better off now i feel like punk can go have a rehab stay in wwe and maybe that's where he wraps up his career and then he goes off to non-wrestling and now tony khan has learned some lessons, and maybe he can guide AEW to bigger and better things in 2024. Hopefully so. It seems like hopefully they're going to start concentrating on some of the younger people in AEW and, and pushing them forward. True. And I feel like this tournament they just had here with the Continental Tournament, having D- Daniel Garcia in there, and the fact they put the title on Julia Hart, they really feel like they're focusing on younger talent, and I feel like they got a core base that they're building around, and I feel like they are stronger without CM Punk, which is kind of crazy to say, like, two months after he left there, but I feel like they're in a better position. Yeah, and I mean, it goes for, for all sides, because, like I said, like, he, he just wasn't happy there anymore, so it, it's better for him to to be away from the situation where he's not happy and where other people are, you know, unhappy with him. Speaking of what CM Punk, we're going on to the next stunning question. Who's the first person in WWE that you want to see CM Punk face in the ring? Well, I don't, I don't know if it's uh what the deal is with it, but it seems like it may be Rollins. Okay, so if you've been on Twitter in the last forty eight hours, you've probably seen a video after WWE's anniversaries went off the air, and in this video, Michael Cole and Corey Graves, yeah, Corey Graves and Michael Cole are holding Seth Rollins back down by ringside. As Rollins is chewing the heck out of CM Punk and flipping him off. Clearly, he's acting like he's upset that CM Punk is back in the WWE. Now, some people think this could be possibly a work where he's trying to build a storyline between him and CM Punk, which I'm kind of hoping this is the case because I feel like that would be a heck of a match. But other people feel like maybe some things that Seth Rollins has said in the past about CM Punk and the fact that CM Punk came back to the WWE without a lot of people knowing that he was going to be back in the company caused Seth Rollins to have this moment. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure. It's it's very convincing if it's a work, to be honest. So he looks pretty pretty angry. I have also heard from like Figure Four Weekly and as Sean Ross that they had a lead um, Seth Rollins from the gorilla position, Triple H, and Michael Cole had to take him to a different section away from he was looking for CM Punk, so they kind of took him to a different place, hopefully to calm down the situation, maybe. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Yeah, I mean, I've seen I've seen some comments in the past that Rollins has made about Punk. Um, so I'm not I'm not sure if, if 
if those have all been, you know, like in in some sort of work kind of thing, but generally sometimes seems like it it feels real, I guess. <laughs> we'll keep our eyes on it and see what goes in this situation. Now, later this after, later this evening on Monday at Raw from Nashville, Tennessee, WWE has already announced that both Randy Orton and Steve Punk will be on this episode of Monday Night Raw. So this might be a Monday Night Raw that you want to go check out. Now, personally, my choice to face CM Punk for the first feud would be Roman Reigns. Let's go ahead, get him into the world title picture with Roman at Royal Rumble and have CM Punk lose to Roman Reigns. This is see how CM Punk would be willing to play ball with people in WWE. That could be interesting. <laughs> True. The first, first major feud CM Punk loses to Roman Reigns. Don't plus know how Bill would feel about that. Plus a lot of history there with Paul Heyman. Oh yeah, a lot of history there. And I feel like that would be a possibility. And I feel like you need to do some of these possible CM Punk versus quote unquote dream match WWE person. And one of them could be Roman Reigns. Oh yeah, I think that's going to be uh at least it, if they don't go with it right off the bat, it, it's coming down the pipeline. Okay, so my next stunning question, we're saying on the top of the CM Punk here, was it a smart move by the WWE to bring CM Punk back into the company? They already had Chicago panned for Survivor Series, and looking at in this in hindsight, we should have saw CM Punk coming back into the company, especially when they started opening a lot more seats at the arena for Survivor Series, and he announced it on the Friday night before Survivor Series. Oh, hey, we just released some more tickets. Hint, hint, wink, wink. So I have to say, time will tell. Um, in the short term, and right now, like, yeah, it looks like a great idea. You know, there's a generating a lot of buzz. Everyone is like super excited. Um, but overall, I feel like time is gonna tell. Um, like I said, like even we just spoke about like Seth Rollins and stuff. Um, there are some people who we know CM Punk has had issues with in the WWE locker room, but if he and everybody else are willing to either a work through it or have already worked through it, I don't see why it can't work and why he can't, you know, like you said, like kind of like reconcile with what happened with WWE in the past and, and, and leave on a good note this time. Well, I keep coming back to the statement that Triple H made in the media scrum after Survivor Series. Where he talk, he's talking about CM Punk, where you can like him, you can hate him, but the one thing you can't take away from this gentleman is the fact that he gets a lot of buzz. He's a needle mover. So to me personally, I feel like the WWE is in, in a no-lose situation here with CM Punk. I mean, he was out from AEW. He was looking for something to do, and they had some. they had an opportunity to talk about this and bring him back into the fold at a time when the WWE product is actually a little bit hotter than the AEW product. And why not add CM Punk back into the equation? Because CM Punk was basically the face of Collision six months ago. True. I mean, you know, he was one of the top merch sellers um, and and constantly all over the shows on AEW and now getting to immediately see him in WWE almost, almost what, like, two, three months after that happened. It's kind of crazy. So uh, it is going to generate a lot of buzz. And, and you know that CM Punk is going to have some stuff to say. And I feel like uh, we're going to get some some stuff going back and forth, which I just, I get, but I've, you know, I'm kind of over on all sides. So, 
True. I'm just hoping he comes out and doesn't totally cut, quote unquote, like pipe bomb this evening on Monday Night Raw. Maybe come out, say a few words, and get into your first feud without taking some digs at AEW because I honestly don't want him to do any digs to AEW at the moment because I feel like we need to get past this. That should be a close chapter. We're back into WWE. Let's focus on that. True. And I want like the same for AEW. I want them to focus on their product and what they have going on. And like I kind of said before, I'm glad that it seemed like Tony Khan didn't seem to have his phone on him last night. So true, true, true. Okay, so we're going on to our favorite segment of the week. Ashley, it's our top five matches of the week. It's Sean and Ashley's top five matches of the week. As they count down their five favorite matches from the past week, did your favorite match make the cut? And I'm going to let you lead off. What was your number five match of the week? What I want to give a quick shout to was um, Statlander and Diamante. Just happy to see Diamante on TV. (laughs) Um... But I want to start off with uh, Katsuyori Shibata and Wheeler Yuta on Rampage for the pure title. That was a great match. You know what? That was a great episode of Rampage. If you didn't see last this past weekend's episode of Rampage, which was on a Saturday night before Collision, you need to go back. Honestly, Rampage and Collision was the better wrestling show than Survivor Series. Like you said, great match. Uh, Sh- Shibata losing the title to Wheeler Yuta, uh, who is showing just a ruthless side in this match, in a, uh, in a willing to do anything. Um, where does Shibata need to go back to Japan for something? So I hope everything's you know good for him right now. But I'm not, I'm not upset. Wheeler Yuta has, has been killing it, and he he's definitely earned it. Okay, so my number five match of the week, I'm gonna take that Diamante. Versus Chris Statler match as my number five match of the week. The, it's incredible how underutilized Diamante is in AEW because she's a great hand. She's a great talent. And I'm like, this match just proves the fact that she needs to be on Dynamite and Collision more than Rampage. Yes. That's why I was happy to see her on TV this week. And then it seems like we're getting to see a little more of her in this tag team with Mercedes Martinez. So, like, I hope they don't you know, dissolve this quickly. I want them to stay together as a unit because I really like the scheme of those two. They're they're two ruthless women. True, very true. So what is your number four match of the week? All right, where am I going to go with number four? I'll go with Mark Briscoe and Moxley. I I knew I was going to love this match when it was announced. And getting to see Mark Briscoe be the main event of Dynamite is just, it's fantastic after kind of like all of the, the kind of turmoil it felt like it took to get there. That was a fun match, and I know a lot of people are pulling for one Mark Briscoe, and I'm one of those people pulling for Mark Briscoe. This was a fun match, and I was happy that we had the sign of respect for John Mosley after he hit the Death Rider. He came back up, pulled um, Mark Briscoe up, and gave him a hug. So it was a fun match and a perfect number four match for you. I'm going to take Andy Kingston versus Broly King as my number four match of the week. If you want to see two big hosses just beat the freaking heck out of each other, this veteran collision will serve you well. Yeah, honestly, and kind of just a, a bit of a surprise. I'm not, I mean, it's not, it's sort of not a surprise to see Brody Lee, uh, Brody, Brody Lee, Brody King win the match because, um, 
I was like, get the man. <laughs> but like to see the the world champion, the ROH world champion, the New Japan Openweight champion to already take a loss in this tournament, a bit of an upset, I would say. True, but Eddie Kingston suplexing Brody King. Just take that visual in your head and just think about it for a second. The size of Brody King and Eddie Kingston is able to do a German freaking suplex with him. Yeah. The, I want to see, I would love to see even even Brody King like winning this, I wouldn't be mad at because I want to see I want to see one of these members of the House of Black break out more in more of a singles role like Julia. True, and I feel like Brody King is going to be that one. I feel like Malachi Black and Buddy Murphy is going to be the actual tattoo of this group. Could be, especially with that match they had with the uh, uh with Commander and um was the other one this week? Oh, Gravity. Yeah, it's Gravity. That was a good match too. I okay, so what is your number three match of the week? Honestly, we just talked about it, so we can move right on. It was Eddie okay, so Okay, so my number three match of the week. I'm going to take Jay White versus Roosh. This was a fun <laughs> match for a collision, and I was happy that the Switchblade got a victory here, especially after all the bells and whistles that gave MJF his victory at full gear. We needed to do something to get Switchblade back rolling again, and this match did the trick. Yeah. And honestly, we're kind of synced up right now because that was my number two. Um, I I love this. And this was a match I was pretty excited for when it was announced. I, You know me, I'm a big Roosh fan. And I love Jay White. So this was perfect for me. Um, I love I love Jay White using kind of like being ruthless and, and going by whatever he needs to, using the low blow and stuff to get the victory over Roosh. And uh, Roosh cutting a promo after, uh, I think it was only aired on social media, kind of unfortunately, but uh, talking about how pissed off he is and how he wants to come back for Jay White after all of this uh, has me pretty excited for what they could possibly go back to in the future. True. I feel like this is going to be a fun tournament. And i like to see Roosh advance a little bit more in this tournament. And we're going to talk about the matches coming up this week on Dynamite and Collision here after we get through the top five matches of the week. So I'll go to my number two match. I've already talked about this this a little bit. I'm going to Survivor Series and I'm going to the Intercontinental title match. It's Walt, it's Gunford versus Miz. And coming into this match, you're going like, this should be nothing more than an eight minute squash match. And Gunford should just go through the Miz like a Sherman tank through a Ferrari. But the Miz channeled his best 2011 version of himself. And this match had a lot of psychology to it. As Miz was trying to chop the tree down at his Gunther. And it has a very clever near fall. Where Gunther has Miz in a sleeper. Miz goes to the corner. Pulls off the top. Ring cover. Distracts the referee. Gets Gunther in a knee that he's been working on for a good while in this match. Turns around. Punts him between the legs. It's good. Give him three points. And he hits a skull cursor finale. One. Two. And Chicago went. No, because Gunther kicked out. And after that, you're like, yeah, Miz, you just took your best shot. And I'm sorry, but here comes Gunther. But it was a fun match. Okay, so what is your number one match of the week? All right, so my number one, Claudio versus Daniel Garcia. I can't say enough good things about Daniel Garcia. And I I need them to keep with this push for him. Um, it's I know he took the loss, but... You can tell they're trying to build something around these losses, um, especially with these promos he's been cutting post-match. Um, I know a couple of them have been on social media, but they have been damn good. And 
the reactions he's getting uh, along, kind of like Marv Strickland, you're not going to be able to deny it. True, very true. And I'm going to copy you here. I'm going to say that Castanelli versus Garcia was a excellent match. I'll make it my number one match, and I'll just back off. I'll just piggyback off of everything you said. That episode of Collision was really, really good. Collision is... People tend to 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 fear the worst when, when everything happened, but on, honestly, like, there's just too much actual talent in, in AEW for, like, the, the in-ring stuff to be bad, you know? So true. Okay, so we're moving over to our final segment of the week. We're going on tap as we preview the six matches in this continental tournament. That will be three on Dynamite and three on Collision. What's on tap? Ashley and Sean give you their choices for what you can't miss this coming week in pro wrestling action. Ashley, the three that's coming November 29th to Dynamite, John Mosley versus Jay Lethal, Mark Bristol versus Roosh, Sir Strickland versus Jay friggin' White. <laughs> These matches are kind of unbelievable this week, and, and this is only like the second week this has been going. Um, I think... Roosh and Mark Briscoe is going to be fantastic. Mox and Jay Lethal is going to be very interesting, especially with this uh, this kind of like seemingly like change that Jay Lethal has been going through. It seems like he's sort of in a way distancing himself from the rest of uh, the the Lethal uh, Jarrett connection there. There's not a bad match in these three, and I wouldn't sleep on Jay Lethal in this tournament. I got a feeling that he's going to pick up a few points in this tournament. Now, going to Collision, December the 2nd. Okay, everybody, hold your seats, because Brian Danielson versus Eddie Kingston is on this Collision episode. We get Claudio Casanelli versus Brody Kane, and Andrade El Elo versus Daniel Garcia. Yet again, not a weak match uh, out of the three. No, not at all. I am so excited for this rematch. I got to see Danielson and Kingston live, not at, not at the Full Gear one, but the Rampage match they had. And that was fantastic. So I am ready for this this next match in, in that they have. This is going to be a very interesting week in AEW coming up here. And all I'm going to say to you guys is get your popcorn ready for Wednesday and Saturday night and enjoy two hours of professional wrestling on each night because this is going to be a fun tournament. Yeah, for sure. I feel like we're going to have a very interesting week in professional wrestling overall. I can easily see a few of these being next week's top five matches of the week. Oh, for sure. For sure. There's too, there's too much talent. Okay, Ashley, before we go, where can we find you on the Information Superhighway so we can see your amazing wrestling tweets during the week and your live tweeting of AEW? I am on Twitter. It's at Groovy underscore Ash underscore. And you can always follow our show at www.radiofreepw. You can always find us on Twitter, Instagram, at RealFreePW. And until we see you next week, have a stunning week. And remember, this is our groovy and stunning era. Guns up. Guns up. Christina here. On behalf of the guys, thanks for listening. Like the show? Do us a favor and share it with a friend. Have a stunning question? Email it to the show at RadioFreeProWrestling at gmail.com. Until next time, this has been Radio Free Pro Wrestling. Stay stunningly.